Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events in pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from it. I'm your host, Messiah, and today on the date of this recording is Friday, September 25th. And on this day, we have a plethora of sports news to get to as I'm settling into this new format. I appreciate everyone who's given me feedback on it. It seems to me that everyone is enjoying it. And if you like it, I love it. So we're going to keep going with this. And we'll hop right into it with the sports news where we've once again had another busy week for sports. This format that's been thrown off by COVID has these sports that have never been played concurrently in this way before. We have the NBA Conference Finals and we're going to have the NBA Finals during baseball, during hockey, during football. This is crazy. But to recap... In the NBA, we have the two matchups not necessarily heating up, but these teams have been fighting. And I'll start with the Denver Lakers series where Denver has been continuing to just hammer at the Lakers. Granted, at the date of this recording, the Lakers are up 3-1, but this has been the most difficult 3-1 I've seen in a long time. Every game went down to the wire, and very easily this could have been 3-1 in the Nuggets' favor. But luckily for Los Angeles, LeBron has turned into what Kawhi should have been defensively. He was stepping up to Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray is looking like the best point guard in the league. He's dishing. He's scoring. He's making prime Derrick Rose-type shots. It's been crazy to see. But it's all fun. Basketball fans are witnessing the evolution of a young dynamic duo in Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets. But without giving them too much attention, we have to, of course, praise the Lakers for making the adequate adjustments. In Game 2, the Nuggets had the Lakers on the ropes. And Anthony Davis... I was expecting LeBron to come out and try and make something happen... Maybe drive to the basket to tie the game and send it into overtime as the Lakers were down by two, but Coach Vogel draws up a play for none other than the brow. And Anthony Davis comes out, catches the ball, and knocks down a three. Nothing but net to go up two games to zero. Now, the Nuggets came back in Game 3 and, for all intents and purposes, blew out the Lakers. But the Lakers made the right adjustments. The Nuggets were destroying them on the boards. They were out-rebounding. Anthony Davis had zero rebounds going into the fourth quarter of Game 3. And after the Nuggets pulled it out, the Lakers last night had Dwight Howard, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Everyone contributed on the rebounds. Rajon Rondo had a clutch rebound at the end of the game. And despite Jamal Murray and the rest of the Nuggets playing great, some games just come down to key plays at the end. And while I gave the Nuggets so much credit, I still am sticking with my pick. I think the Lakers will close this out. If you're asking for how many games I think 
go on from this point. I'll give the Nuggets one more. The Nuggets will fight in the next game. Likely win it, in my opinion, and the Lakers close it out in six. But I would be far from surprised if the Lakers just close it out in game five. And on the other side of things, we have Miami pretty much mirroring what the Lakers did. Miami was up 2-0. The Celtics stole a game. And Miami came back with a pivotal performance from Tyler Hero, 37 points. The youngest player playing in the playoffs right now, I believe. And he had a key performance in an otherwise close game that allowed Miami to get in this position where they are not afraid of the Celtics. The Celtics, a team that I thought offensively had the most potential for the rest of the playoffs. They have great shooters. They have hustlers. They have people who can create their own shot. But alas, the Miami Heat coached by Eric Spolster, the same coach who got LeBron his first back-to-back rings, drew up these zone plays, zone that's rather underutilized in the NBA. It's something that you see more often in college and high school. But they ran the 2-3 zone and box and won these special defenses that worked on the Celtics. They didn't know what hit them. So the Heat, that you could argue is less talented than the Celtics, at least offensively, found a way to get the job done defensively. And again, I'm sticking with my pick there. I believe the Heat closed that out. And we have a Lakers-Miami Heat Finals where LeBron gets to face up against his old team. That'll be fun to watch if my prediction comes through. And that's the main thing to report on the NBA side of things, bringing us to the NFL side of things, with a strange week to say the least. We had the injury bug just get busy on them. Every team, every team had some form of injury whether it was major or not, that affected them. And just to give you some notable injuries, the two best running backs in the league, in my opinion, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, are down. Saquon tore his ACL. McCaffrey is expected to be out four to six weeks with an ankle injury. Julio Jones is hurt. It, it was just a mess. And of course, the only notable explanation people are pointing to is the lack of preseason. Typically, the NFL season begins with about four weeks of preseason games, where even though you've been practicing for a while, you can knock some rust off and get some in-game reps. But without the preseason, and there's been some complaints about turf issues, some NFL fields use artificial turf. All of this just comes together for a recipe where the unusual circumstances have resorted or resulted, for that matter, in a case of too many injuries. You never want to see someone go down. And unfortunately, the injury bug was all over the place last Sunday. But on the bright side of things, we did have some fairly notable Stories that came out of the games, the first of which that I wanted to mention is the Dallas Cowboys, quote-unquote, America's football team, coming back against the Atlanta Falcons. 
The Cowboys were getting blown out of this game. It looked like it was done. The Atlanta Falcons, now in my opinion one of the worst teams in the league, was just lighting them up on offense. Touchdown, touchdown, everything. And out of nowhere, the Cowboys just ignited on offense and just started scoring consecutively. But even with those consecutive scores, the Falcons were up by so much that there was barely any time left in the game. And it looked secure that the Falcons would be able to get away escaping an offensive outburst. But instead, the Dallas Cowboys elect to conduct an onside kick. Something that has, from what I've seen in my entire time viewing the NFL, an onside kick probably has a less than 1% success rate. Something crazy. And the Cowboys got an onside kick on the Falcons. The players looked like they didn't even know the rules of the game. All they had to do was fall on the ball, secure it, and the game is over. Yet they stare at the ball walking and a Cowboy player dives and secures it, enabling the Cowboys to drive down the field and win the game. Atlanta does not look good, even with all the offensive firepower that they possess. And seemingly their partners in crime in terms of teams underperforming, the Minnesota Vikings look horrible. For those who play fantasy football, everyone is targeting the Minnesota Vikings. You want any player playing against them. But in a more lighthearted story, we had a matchup between two black quarterbacks in Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. Where Cam, I have an episode of my podcast that I did on him and how I believe that this would be a revenge tour faced off against Russell Wilson, who many people believe is the best quarterback in the league. In a matchup that surely delivered with fireworks, multiple touchdowns for both teams, Russell Wilson was throwing dots. Just pure, accurate, on-target passes to his receivers who were beating their defenders. And it was a breath of fresh air to see Cam look like how he used to look before the injuries. He looked in the MVP mode. Both of them did. Both Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, a player who hasn't won an MVP before, but Cam, a player who has, they both looked MVP-like. So that was a fun game to see. And always I'm going to continue throughout the season during Cam's tour to praise him anytime he does something unexpected because many people out there counted him out. A phenomenal player who's grown tremendously, performing on the highest stage. The only other notable story from the NFL that I wanted to shed some light on is the continued aging of Tom Brady and now Drew Brees is in that conversation as well, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, as well as an unexpected team performing well, the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that no one would have pinned to be 0-2, especially considering that they played the New Orleans Saints, a team that is a Super Bowl contender. That doesn't mean the Raiders deserve to be in that conversation, 
but this is a story I will be looking out for throughout the rest of the season. And usually this is where we transition to the music section, but as this is of course a pop culture podcast, there is an event going on this weekend that I wanted to at least acknowledge. It's a UFC fight between a man named Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. This is a middleweight contention fight for the belt. And probably the biggest fight this year so far, maybe until the Mike Tyson fight. What makes this fight so big in terms of pop culture, of course UFC isn't as big as boxing is in pop culture, but it's growing. It's growing rather exponentially. And this is... To my understanding, the second fight in UFC history between two undefeated male fighters for the undisputed belt. Undisputed meaning you're the champion, you're the best in that weight class. So in something a little fun that I thought of here, and bear with me, I wanted to imitate the way that they introduced the fighters to give them a little bit of free promo and practice for myself with something new. So I'm going to introduce these two fighters formally to just give you further insight on what this is. Here I go. In the challenger's corner, we have a six-foot-tall, 185-pound man, the number two-ranked fighter in the middleweight division, a man from Brazil who is a master of multiple martial arts trained by his brother, none other than Paulo Costa, a solid fighter most known for knocking out almost everyone he's came into battle with. And in the champion corner, we have a 6'4", 185-pound Nigerian specialized in kickboxing and regular boxing, a man also known as the last style bender for being able to manipulate his game in so many ways. You could consider him a master of all martial arts, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Israel Adesanya the reigning, undisputed, middleweight division champion in what is looking to be a battle for the ages. I hope that that got you a little bit excited for it, even if you aren't a UFC fan, even if you haven't seen any UFC fight. I just thought that I would test that out. And see how that hits. See if it resonates with anyone. I know that some people are not into fighting as much. And that's, of course, reasonable. But I am a fan of martial arts. And UFC is a display of some of the greatest martial arts fighters from around the world. But with that being said, we can move on to the music section of the podcast. And though I do have a topic that I wanted to reserve this time to discuss, I thought it would make sense for me to make a small amendment here. In the first iterations 
of this format, I tried to come in and give one listen reviews of any albums that I was looking out for. But I don't think that that's helpful for you, the listener, or me, because I won't have any time to digest. So I thought that a more efficient way to go about this will be I will report on the albums that come out on the Friday that I'm interested in that I will most likely give a listen to. And if any of them resonate with me to the point where I want to speak on them, I'll come back the following Friday giving you and me time to digest it and give a more well-prepared answer on how I feel about these projects. So in that vein, I'll begin by noting some releases that I'm planning on checking out. First of which, the Spillage Village Collective. I believe that I pronounced that correctly. It's a subset of the Dreamville record label, most notably known for being led by J. Cole. The key leaders in the Spillage Village is the group known as Earth Gang, but there's also a notable player that you'll see on those projects, J.I.D., who's coming into his own. So I plan on checking out that album. Travis Scott released a new song with Young Thug, and I believe the other artist's name is M.I.A., Public Enemy dropped a new album. Bryson Tiller who had a critically acclaimed album, Trap Soul, released a deluxe edition. It's only three new songs, but I plan on listening to that. And the only other thing at the moment that's hitting my radar is a new album by Action Bronson. But more importantly, I wanted to come into this area of the podcast and talk about another podcast. The Joe Budden podcast that, to my knowledge was topping all of the charts on Spotify for a long time while they were signed there and recently came out and spoke on their experience. I mentioned it on another episode. Joe Budden's fight for ownership, not just for podcasts, but for music, act, entertainment in general. Joe Budden released the last episode of his podcast on Spotify and is currently in the middle of a hiatus. But during this hiatus, he has announced the Joe Budden Network, a network that appears to, for the future, be a podcast network. They announced a new podcast called See What Happened Is with an all-female cast. This could be a bright light, a notable moment for sure in terms of the future of the relationship between tech companies and creatives. This coming amidst Kanye's battle, his very public battle over claiming his masters, Joe Budden, since exposing, I'll use that word sparingly, exposing Spotify's treatment of him, since that moment, we've seen an emergence of podcast networks requesting unions on Spotify, The stock was dipping for a decent amount of time. We know Joe Budden spoke on the way that he was treated. Spotify didn't want to give him vacation time. They seemed to be demanding him to record in moments of duress. 
We need to see better relationships between these companies that facilitate distribution and the creatives that give them what to distribute. Joe Budden could be leading the charge on this. So for anyone who's interested in the battle of ownership, this is just something to keep an eye on. This could move not just the podcast industry, but your favorite singers, actors, any position in entertainment. This could affect the typical process moving forward. That was the main point I wanted to hit on in that area. I, as a growing creative myself and someone who knows some creatives, I would like for this to end amicably, though in favor of the creatives. With that being said, we can move on to the film industry where another quiet week has come in this area. We saw that in the midst of COVID, Marvel has, as expected, delayed several of their major releases. And the only notable event in film was the Emmys that took place, where several films and TV shows took away some trophies. The biggest highlight of the night, as far as social media was concerned, was Endaya becoming the youngest Emmy winner for the show Euphoria that has all the critical acclaim in the world. I have seen this show and it does deliver what all the reviews promise. It's an interesting take on a battle with drugs and mental health in general. But Zendaya delivered tremendously as an actor and deserved the Emmy. Another notable show, I believe the show that won the most awards on the night was Watchmen. That show, there's so much that can be said about it. I would recommend that show to everyone. That show is well-written, well-acted. I came away from it with little to no complaints. It's an interesting take on a comic book series, but it seemed every bit as real just with the added supernatural characters. The Last Dance documentary won an award as expected. That was a great display of Michael Jordan and the Bulls in general. That became one of those films that you put with all of the members of that team. That's something that has to be amended to their resume. That's a display of what they were striving to do, what they accomplished. Just an event that, from my perspective, seems to be a point of pride. And that is all the short news for the film section gave us, allowing us to move on to the last section of the podcast, the gaming section, that has been heating up week after week with the battle of the consoles. I've been mentioning for a while how PlayStation was doing everything within their power to maintain their advantage over Xbox. And they have been doing it well. They have the titles at release that people want to play. Their console has been selling out everywhere, as has Xbox. But the notable event of the week was Microsoft going out and acquiring Bethesda. For those who do not know, 
Bethesda is a game studio. They are responsible for several particularly notable games in the industry, three of which are The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom. Xbox made this acquisition for what looks to be about $7.5 billion. Just to give a, a scope of what this type of deal means... The advantage that PlayStation has had over Xbox this generation was that Xbox didn't have the games to compete with PlayStation as a console. The notable games that people were playing on Xbox were typically available for the PlayStation. And in addition to that, PlayStation had its own exclusives that most of the time were game of the year contenders. So when Sony had that advantage of being the better company console over this stretch, Xbox's advantage wouldn't be necessarily having a higher quality console because we know neither company is going to make such significant strides that they just outperform in a notable way. The advantage would come in the actual games. Why should I buy your console over the other one? If I can get the same or similar specs and better exclusive games. A reasonable question for most consumers. And Xbox's play here hasn't been to necessarily go head to head in terms of games. But they've made a very specific and interesting move strategy wise. First of which I briefly touched on that their lower priced console is $300 compared to PlayStation's $400 one. So they have a cost advantage already off the jump. But that might not necessarily be enough to push the the needle. That might be able to give them a slight advantage in some areas, but for the most part, I think it's safe to assume that if you're going out to buy a console and being fiscally responsible, as I will always advocate for, then that extra hundred isn't going to make or break you buying a console. But here at Xbox goes, they had announced this Game Pass, this feature that will be about $15 a month where you get access to hundreds of games from the Microsoft database, their studios. And that was appealing as well. But again, if you don't have any exclusives, how do I justify investing in this Game Pass? Especially when PlayStation responded by saying they will be pairing their PlayStation Plus subscription with something similar. Now Xbox's move is to build on that and to beat Sony with the quantity, the value of their Game Pass. Sony may have hold over some exclusive games, but Xbox is trying to give you so much value for your Game Pass that it gives a legitimate competitive advantage in terms of quantity, especially in the early age of this next generation. So Microsoft is playing the long-term game here. They know that those exclusives might give Sony the advantage in the first wave of consoles. 
But if Xbox can use this studio, and this is a big if here. I'm not going to just say this is a walk in the park. Microsoft acquired this gaming studio, but they also have to make the games good. Just because the game has that title, that'll get some people to buy it. But if the game is trash, the console is going to be struggling. So Xbox will sell out as expected initially. The question would just be who will win out long term in this generation. And Xbox making this acquisition gives them a solid fighting chance. Where during the Xbox One stage, I felt that they couldn't compete, especially in the later in the last three year stretch, I would say. Sony just hit the ground running and never looked back. So Microsoft at the moment owns 23 studios. These games will be available at launch for the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. And the question will just be, you have the quantity. All you have to do now is secure the value with the quality. The affordable next gen, this is a... It's a tight race, an interesting battle. We'll see who comes out in the end. A lot of people are striking out on getting the next-gen consoles. A lot of people are excitedly securing them. The first wave is, as expected, going to be tough to get in on. Creators are doing everything in their power to acquire it to sustain their business. We're entering the new decade with... This is fun. We're entering with the next generation in one of the fastest growing industries in the world, period. And we just saw, I believe yesterday, Amazon just announced they're trying to get in the game as well. They announced something called Amazon Luna. That seems to function pretty similarly to the Game Pass. You pay a subscription per month. And you get access to X number of games for that time period. They announced that the initial release of this will only be $6 a month. That's sure to increase at some point. And they claim to have partnered with a bevy of companies. Launching with over 100 games to boot. So we'll see how that goes as well. I don't think that Amazon will be able to compete with the big three. The big three being Microsoft, Sony, and of course Nintendo that can never be counted out. But maybe they make a hole in the market. Maybe they have, I won't speculate too much, but I could see them partnering with these companies and undercutting But I hope that that doesn't happen. That never comes out well for the industry on a whole because then the companies that should be focusing on giving us the best possible value are too busy worrying about beating each other out. That's why I'll I'll take this time to commend Nintendo. They're not a part of this, obviously. They've been, they release on their own. They do what they want. They had the Switch come out and the Switch has been a great device that's selling well. Nintendo always stays out of this. They are competing technically, but they're on their own type of time. And I appreciate that because I can speculate here in saying that most fans feel that Nintendo is just focusing 
on making their best possible product. And their business hasn't suffered at any point because of that. So I'll conclude with some praise for Nintendo. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm always looking for ways to improve. So any advice, any recommendations are welcome. I I put them right in my notes and do my best to implement them. Leave a like, leave a review if you enjoyed it. And I'll talk to you next time. Have a great week. And this is Behold Pop Culture.